Hey, it's Thomas Frank. I've just got a quick note for you before we get into the show. If you've been enjoying the Inforium or my videos over on YouTube, then you, my friend, should get Nebula. On Nebula, you get ad-free versions of both this podcast and my videos, along with exclusive stuff like extended versions of those videos. And it's not just our stuff that you're going to get. Dozens of other creators are on Nebula, including Ali Abdal, Wendover Productions, Braincraft, Tier Zoo, and lots more. Nebula gives us a chance to experiment, and since everything's ad-free, it's also the best way for you to get our content. Head over to theinforium.com slash nebula to sign up now. Hello, dear listener. Welcome back to yet another episode of The Inforium, hosted by me, Thomas Frank, and my good friend, Martin Levy. What's up, my dude? It's true. It's been a while because you were sick last week. You know? This is true. That was weird. Not with, uh, um, not with the Rona, but... What are you going to do? With some no. sort of voice-crippling sickness that rendered us unable to record. Something like that. <clears throat> well, I'm glad you're feeling better. How's uh how's Minneapolis or Pineapolis treating you? It's uh pretty great. Cool. Well, I yeah, I was actually uh, I wanted to hear a little bit about that, but I suppose we should you know at the top of the episode keep people in on what's going on. So on this week's episode of the Inforium, we're talking about how to read more, because well, you truck through books like tomorrow is not coming. Almost always. But recently, I've been reading a lot more. Um, and we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about some ways that you can read yeah, more you've often. Been, you've been reading at a, at a pace that you don't normally. Mm -hmm. So clearly, there must be some ultra secret. Well, there, I have two answers. We'll I have two out. answers, two ultra secrets to reading at a accelerated pace. And uh, they're both pretty simple. So we're going to talk about both of them in this episode. Um, I promise you they are not mind-blowing but they are useful. But yeah, uh, we got project check-in. I have stuff to report, frustrations, discoveries, revelations. Yeah, you do. Um, but I I'm actually curious about, like, you've been in Minneapolis for, I think, two months now? Yeah, two months in, like, a week. So I, I think uh, the, what are they called it? The honeymoon period? Like, the novelty period is probably started to wear off. Is there is there an established average for what people would expect that that would take? Well, I don't know if there's an average. And I mean, I guess I feel like I'm here now. I don't feel like it doesn't feel like vacation. Let, yeah, let me put anything. it this way: you have been fully moved in. I think you told me you were like fully moved in and unpacked more than three weeks ago. Yeah, I have like an established life. It doesn't feel at all like I'm out of town mm -hmm. or something. Yeah. So so far, how does this compare to Denver? I am much happier yeah. here by default, like 80% happier as my, as an average. And uh, I also have not nearly as frequently hit the same mood lows mm -hmm. that I was very frequently hitting in Denver. And uh, I don't know if you remember, but look at this hand. Do you see it that? It doesn't look it's like it's cracking and peeling. Dying. You don't look like the colossal it's, Titan it, on your it hand. It is suddenly healthy. For no for, reason, I have changed nothing. <laughs> for absolutely no reason, other than you moved to I'm a just, place where well, I'm just better, ten or twenty percent more humidity. Well, and like, and I was drinking so much water in Denver; it just it never added up. It never yeah. mattered. I, I just my skin doesn't like it there, so uh, I'm feeling good. I'm automatically happier. I'm I I walk outside and it's been hot the last couple of days. It's like summer temperatures mm -hmm. now, so it's humid and hot. I still love it. What about uh, no part of me is mad. Has there any been? Has there been any change in like the OCD symptoms? 
I would say that I'm somewhat better okay. at some of those. A lot of that's going to take a while because the problem is they become habits. Yeah, that's true. And then the habits are, it's hard to find a stopping point in the loop. Well, I'm glad that this place is at least making you happier. I don't know, maybe, there, maybe there's yeah. some merit I, to I am getting better in that, small ways. That but... either elevation or humidity has a big effect on certain people's moods. Yeah, I, I just have like the natural urge to be outside all the time now and I'm I'm doing a lot more I have a lot more projects going on mm-hmm. um it's uh working I've had a few times where I miss Denver but you know I just want to like go to Broadway oh yeah and hey you can just uh you can just come visit if you want to come and not miss Denver that's pretty easy yeah yeah and I, I should be fully vaccinated um sometime within the next month so that'll Sweet. be cool i am officially fully vaccinated as of this moment if, if you want to get real nice. technical about it it will be 3 p.m today when i'm fully vaccinated because i think it's it's two it weeks actually follows that exact law it has to look at the yeah clock. like the vaccine like it, i've seen osmosis jones so i assume it's like the big pill guy that has the mega man arm cannon He's in my blood yep. and he's got a watch and he's like two full weeks he's waiting for after you got the second shot. Yep. That's when I'm going to start working. I will not lift a finger They're very until strict. then. And I don't even have fingers because I'm a vaccine molecule. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, yeah, uh, later this afternoon will be two full weeks since I got my second shot. So I think that that labels me fully vaccinated um, so I can nice. open up my you know free roadside kissing booth again. Anyway, yeah, uh, I have had an interesting last couple of weeks because so I've been working on this uh, full Notion template for YouTube creators, for bloggers and podcasters, like basically taking the system that we use and turning it into a template. And the process of building that was fun. I built in a whole bunch of new stuff that we don't even have. So I'm now excited to build it into our system. I've got like an interconnected SEO research database so we can like target keywords and add research articles to a specific keyword. And then if we're like going to do a blog post or an article or a YouTube video about that, like all the research will pour it into the actual video project in Notion. It's dope. And then I spent three days trying to figure out how the heck I sell stuff online without breaking the law. Because I don't know if people know this, but when you sell stuff on the internet, you have to collect sales tax. And you have to collect this European value added tax, the VAT tax. And then, you know, I I looked at the feature sets and the help docs for a ton of different checkout apps and in online sales apps and stuff. Most of them are basically like hand wringing about it. There was one, their help docs literally say, if you don't live in the EU, you don't have to worry about VAT, which is not true. Every other source I've looked at it basically disconfirms that. But what if you don't double check and no one catches you? So this then is it, what this is what I'm I'm it. thinking. Like all these people that are selling stuff online, they I get I'm thinking a lot of them just don't know. But uh, I do know, and problem is figuring out how the heck to be compliant with all of it. So boy, like I've gone uh, almost eleven years running an internet based business where I have never actually sold anything myself. So I've been insulated from this side of the problem. Uh, And now that I'm getting into it, I'm realizing just how complicated it is. Like, uh, 
if you want to use a lot of these platforms, they basically say like, we don't file taxes for you. We don't do anything. Talk to an accountant. We can't really tell you much. Um, so I went through tons of different options like Sam card and Podia. And I was looking at send owl and selfie and all kinds of crazy stuff. And, uh, I ended up on Gumroad because they have decided to not just pass the buck to creators and they will actually collect and send the European VAT taxes for you. And they won't That's do this cool. for sales tax, but they will at least let you set like where you need to collect sales tax and then they'll collect it and then give you a report. So you can just give it to your accountant and be like, Hey, send the sales tax to the States that need to need sales tax. And I think like, you know, most small sellers are mostly going to have to pay sales tax in their own state. Um, but boy, that stuff is confusing. I wish there was like a yeah. course I could take. That's just like, here's how to sell things on the internet and not get in trouble. But <laughs> I don't know if there is. And most of them are just like, go talk to a lawyer and go talk to your accountant. I'm like, my my accountant is a small town accountant. I don't know if he even knows about interstate sales tax rules and things like that. Uh, but anyway, I think I figured out my platform for that. Uh, so now I think after we finish recording today, I'm going to spend the whole day building out the sales page, building out my documentation and getting ready to launch this thing. I'm excited. First nice. thing that I have ever like yeah. really sold. You've been doing crazy of my stuff. Own. You know, Skillshare courses are on Skillshare and it's basically Skillshare sell selling a membership to Skillshare, not even the course itself. It's access to every course. Yep. So this is interesting. It's a, it's a new experience for me and new experiences are a great way to get yourself fired up about learning things. I've been basically drinking the internet like a fire hose the past week or two. Uh, but yeah, what have you been up to other than making a cute B? Well, uh, yeah, I have some, I have some pixel art coming out and I'm probably gonna put that out tomorrow. So that'll be out by the time this is published. It's uh, I think that's pretty cool. I, I went to some great effort to make this 3d movement sort of effect in it. So that, uh, the pixel art is moving throughout the depth of a photo. Yeah, I liked it. It's a, it's a weird effect that I wanted to try. I wanted to try it in February. I just forgot about it while mm -hmm. moving. And then I was, I recently remembered it. And so that's out. I have a suggestion I did, in fact. for your next iteration yeah. on that. Oh. Go take a picture where you don't move the camera, but you change the focus between a few different pictures. And then you could like almost do a pixel art that comes to the screen and you could rack focus by shifting between those two pictures. I could, I could in fact potentially change that so that the whole thing changes. That'd be cool. I haven't gotten to the point where I've done a lot of intentional photos with this mm -hmm. in mind, but I do want to. Um, and I have, I did put that song out. I have another one that I basically finished writing already. That's, I just need to do it. And yeah, lots of, lots of pixels and music. Well, this is dope because I mean, you always talked about wanting to do a lot of this in Denver and you, you did some of it, but it seems like the pace has just really picked up for you. Yeah. Yeah, I think I I have like more easily more than 10 or 20 melodies from recent weeks mm -hmm. that I could use plus like another 300 recordings. Yeah. In my voice memos, it's uh coming together pretty fast. I just feel like I uh, have more clarity mm -hmm. as to what I want to do. I wish I could just take a week out of time and go through my voice recordings app 
because there are so many melodies and yeah, song ideas in there, some. and there's just not time to make them at the moment. Though I have at least started playing guitar, just you know, noodling around again. I went for man, I feel like it was a couple months just not playing guitar because I've been so busy with everything. But been playing again. Skill comes back. It's 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 weird. Like you take a break for two months and then for the first five minutes you feel so rusty. And then after that, you're better than you ever were. Yeah. Yeah. I do the same thing with, uh, with language. Mm -hmm. uh, oh, also I've been waking up at five. Today's my third day in a row. Uh, so I brought back mornings. Dang, that's pretty, that's pretty cool. good. I was dying for a while with terrible sleep. I was sleeping until like 10. I've been waking up around six, uh, except for today. <laughs> Because so Anna had her Kickstarter launch, which did amazingly well. I haven't checked it this morning, but before we went to bed, she had gotten $6,000 in pledges. And I think her last cool. most successful one had gotten like a grand in the first day. So this is kind of a blowout. So we went out to celebrate and then we came back and she was like, well, I kind of want to keep working on art. And I'm like, I want to work on the sales page thing and figure out the freaking tax situation. So I was up until midnight last night trying to figure that out. And I'm like, it was midnight. And I'm like, okay, I think the answer is Gumroad. I can, I can rest now. But after tonight, hopefully back to the schedule. Yeah. Uh, we're putting out a video all about how to wake up early and actually get yourself out of bed and get past that tired groggy stage and uh that'll be out well that'll be out uh the day this comes out i believe on the 31st oh cool so go check it out on the thomas frank youtube channel uh so today we're talking about how to read more and to get through more books and i wanted to talk about this because for most of my life i've always been envious of your ability to truck through books at what seems like an incredible pace especially nonfiction books. For me, I mean, I, I go into a bookstore and I look at the shelves and I want to read like everything. And then I'm just so slow when it comes to reading. Uh, but recently, I have been getting through books much more quickly. Uh, I will put some caveats on that. I've been getting through certain types of books much more quickly, uh, certain formats of books much more quickly. But still, I think in the last couple of months, I have read at least five books which is much better than I usually do. Yeah. So, and you're already pretty good at, at getting through books pretty quickly. So I thought we could talk through some, yeah, when I decide to some, some strategies for, you know, actually reading more. Uh, I mentioned at the top of the episode that my two pieces of advice here were not super revolutionary. One is more interesting than the other, I think. So let me start with the most interesting one. I have been riding up my bike to work as I've probably mentioned before, and the uh, the ride is 22 miles each way. Actually, I'll, it's 21 miles each way. I found a faster way to do it. Uh, so it's, you know, 21 miles. It takes me about an hour now. My fitness is up, so I've shaved some time off of it. But that's two hours every day that I go to the co-working space to listen to audiobooks. So I've just been, you know, that's two hours a day. I've been just trucking through books. I listen to um, Walkable City, by Jeff Speck, which I, I kind of like, I bought this bike and that got very interested in urban design and, you know, car centric lifestyles impact on how our society functions. So I read that book, or I guess I listened to it. And then his follow-up, which was called Walkable City Rules. And I'm going through this 20 hour book now by a guy named Alistair Humphreys, who rode his bike around the world, which is incredible. 
and he narrates it. His narration is so good. I think, uh, I think he just did so many talks at different organizations and schools about his experience that he just became this amazingly talented narrator and narrating his own book. It's just, it's great to listen to, but I've also, uh, I read like an entire 400 page fiction book in three days recently. So it's not just audiobooks, but what I've realized is for me, it's hard to carve out the time to sit down and read when I know I have so many other things to do, especially when my brain is like locked into a project like it is right now, trying to get this sales page created, trying to get this template created. I've also got, you know, podcasts to record, videos to do. Life is incredibly busy and it's hard for me to wake up and go, okay, I'm going to take an hour to read nonfiction. But if I'm like, I know that I get better work done when I have separation from my home by going to the co-working space and I know I want to ride my bike there, I have just created a guaranteed hour of time where the only thing I could do is either listen to a book or just not listen to anything, but I can't do any real work. So that's not competing with the urge to listen to a book and learn something. That's fair. That makes sense. I kind of hate headphones when I'm uh, outside, unfortunately. So yeah. I can't do that very I, well. I've been debating Actually, about... sometimes I put like around my neck. That way I have full outside. Oh, that could work but it's, it's like speakers that works pretty well. I just haven't, I have learned. Um, so with my bike route specifically, it is bike trail almost the entire way. And that's something I love about Denver. Um, that's also coincidentally something amazing about Minneapolis. I have looked yeah. at, you know, where you live and getting to downtown Minneapolis, it would be mostly bike trail for you after like an initial get to the bike trail ride. So that's just kind of amazing that these two cities have invested enough in the bike infrastructure for that to be possible. But because it's almost all bike trail, I don't worry about, you know, having complete ability to hear things. I don't think a truck is going to sneak out of the bushes <laughs> and hit me. Yeah. Uh, if I were riding on roads, I would not be doing this. I would want my senses about me. But the, the cool thing about the AirPods Pro is uh, there is a transparency mode. So you can turn that on and they basically function as hearing aids. And I haven't tested this out yet, but so what I do to keep the wind noise out of my ears is I just wear like a really, really thin uh, beanie and that just covers the AirPods. So it's not constantly having the wind noise rushing against them. And then I can hear the book just fine. So I bet you, I, I haven't tested it, but I bet you the, the transparency mode combined with the beanie might actually help. That's interesting. Mm -hmm. I haven't, I've never tried the AirPods. I don't, uh, I much prefer over the ear headphones. I don't like sticking stuff in my ears. Yeah. When I first got the AirPods pro, I had to get used to them because the original AirPods were just, they were just like those, you know, the normal Apple earbuds. They didn't seal. They just sort of sat there and then the pros actually seal. So it was a bit of a adjustment period to get used to them. But now like, I don't know, I wear them so much. I'm totally fine with them. Mm -hmm. I still prefer over cool. the ears, but I don't really want to be like, riding my bike with my Bose headphones on. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, especially if you got like like these got noise the noise canceling would definitely be a bad idea if I'm outside, which is why I used to just have them around my yep. neck. Yeah, so I'm still trying to figure out what's the most optimal or optimal situation with the beanie cuz like it does mean that my hair is covered while I'm riding 20 miles in summer heat, which can become a sweaty proposition. So I don't know. I tried buying like a Nike headband to just try to cover the earbud, the ear, air, uh, AirPods, but it was so tight. So I think I need to find like one that's not as tight. I don't know. 
You just wear like some sort of thin pair of earmuffs. It'll be <laughs> there weird, <we> go. <laughs> but... Or I don't know, maybe I can find some kind of headphones that don't get affected by the wind noise quite as much. If anyone's listening to this and knows of anti-wind noise headphones, then let me know because I would love to solve this problem in a way that doesn't require me to wear a beanie in the summer while riding. Yeah. But, you know, besides that, it's been uh, it's been pretty good. It's been trucking through. In fact, I went and I, I just bought the 24 credit per year pack on Audible because I've been going through nice. books so fast. Um, I did purposely pick that Around the World by Bicycle book because it was 20 hours. And I'm like, all right, this one will actually give me, you know, some substantial listening time before I get through it and have to listen to something else. Yeah, I mean, there, so there are there are some drawbacks to this method. Um, I can't really take notes. So I don't tend to choose books where my purpose would be to study them. Um, but honestly, like right now, I'm in a period where the the deliberate learning I'm trying to do doesn't tend to come from a book anyway. Like I'm trying to teach myself how to launch my own product, run the sales funnel, run the customer support, all that stuff. And that is literally all doing and reading support articles and basically like actively learning while trying to build the thing. So that's kind of like where all of my learning energy goes in the day. And so I'm perfectly happy just listening to either, well, for, for the audiobooks, it's always nonfiction. I'm listening to stuff where I'm learning stuff, but it's not like I need to take meticulous notes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I'll get to my, my second one after we talk a little bit about, a little bit about your methods. Cause I know that you don't listen to audiobooks, but you still seem to get through books pretty quickly. Yeah. Um, I am technically, I, I started listening to one audiobook just the other day, but it's very specific. It's the Anthropocene reviewed book from John Green. So it's essentially an expanded version of the podcast series, which means I'm okay listening to that one. It makes sense. Does he narrate it? But Yeah. Yeah, otherwise I probably wouldn't. Is uh, an Anthropocene um, reviewed? Was that him and his wife, or was it him and Hank? That's that's just, oh, it's just him. him. Okay. Um, speaking about basically giving reviews out of five stars to random things <laughs> that are parts of human gotcha. life. You know, it's uh, but it also you know he loops it in through a bunch of history and personal story and finds meaning in random and somewhat normal things. Mm-hmm. But like what, like stubbing I your toe? That. Well, one was about he was ra- rating a song. I don't remember the title of one. He's rating Canada geese, <laughs> the concept of the species, out of five stars. Uh, did they one, get five stars? It's just like because I don't think they should. No, I I don't think they did. <laughs> um, I yeah, I think one is about Kentucky bluegrass, okay. like the the music. There's, I think I think the species mm. of actual grass being used in suburban lawns i've heard it's a lot hardier um, i mean it must be but it's also taken out all of our cool lawn diversity from us you know so there it's there's it, there's depth to the reviews but i like that other than that i actually kind of hate audiobooks personally really? i don't i don't like it i don't like it oh. at all Sounds like we for have the same some... reason I don't like video because I kind of hate video personally. It's hard to get me to watch a movie, even if I know I'm going to love it. I don't like being piloted 
through information at someone else's speed mm. and being spoon fed the information. Like I, I want to do it myself. That's an interesting distinction between media because in video games and in books, you are the pilot, but both of which in audiobooks and movies, and I guess music would also count here. You're not the pilot. You're just being yeah. taken along. And like, ride. and I, I say spoon fed and I don't mean that in a bad mm -hmm. way, but I don't like going at somebody else's speed. Yeah. I don't like having to just sit there and just focus on somebody else's voice or, or a movie for knowing the movie is going to be hours long. It, whereas when it's a book, I can slow down at literally any point. I can stop. I can ponder a sentence. I can read a thousand times faster. Not actually a thousand times. I can read probably three times faster max mm -hmm. than an audiobook is going to record. I, I read some books over 400 words a minute, and that's just not going to happen on an audiobook unless I play it at an absurd speed. I don't understand it. Yeah, anymore. it's not going to work. I think like science has um, established 450 is kind of like the upper limit for actual comprehension of really skilled readers and audio even yeah, if you, and i was probably closer to like 410 at my max read book yeah and i, so I think it's... like i think audiobooks i had read one time that the average word per minute was around 115 and a lot of narrators go slow i noticed this when i was recording my own audiobook that i talk much faster in podcasts and youtube videos and uh the recording engineer was like you got to go slow for audiobooks so even if you double the speed you're getting what 230 yeah see like it feels to me like, and also audiobooks are really good for multitasking situations, like you just mm -hmm. described, a, a commute. But honestly, when I'm driving places, I don't even always listen to music. I like to bike and walk and drive in silence with my thoughts. Mm -hmm. It's where a lot of my best ideas come from. So if I dedicate that time to an audiobook or something, I'm now not going to get that thought. Time. Yeah. Whereas I could just come home, read the book physically go much faster yeah exactly hey let's take a break and pay some bills it's your old pal thomas talking to you in an ad segment i really like how uh the adventure zone does these except for it makes sense when they do it because they're breaking character from a fictional world for the host to talk to you directly and it doesn't make sense here because i was already talking to you kind of directly in the original segment of this podcast but Without further ado, this episode is sponsored by our friends over at CuriosityStream, along with Nebula, which is a platform that I and many other great educational creators own and have built for you. On Nebula, you can get ad-free versions of, guess what, this podcast, along with all of my YouTube videos. And with my YouTube content in particular, I'm also adding bonus sections at the end of every new video. These are called Nebula Plus sections. There were, I can add additional research, additional points that didn't fit into the YouTube cut. So if you want additional content and no ads, and to support what we're doing with our whole educational content empire building here, Nebula is the place to do it. And guess what? Nebula comes bundled with CuriosityStream, which as you may have heard is the best source of high quality documentaries on the internet. If you wanna learn about science, if you wanna learn about history, technology, society, CuriosityStream has thousands of high quality documentaries covering all these subjects, including ones from David Attenborough. He has a great one called Light on Earth, which is all about bioluminescence, like glowing mushrooms and bugs and stuff. It's super cool. Uh, 
there's a documentary from Nick Offerman, who I actually have a painting of above my fireplace. He is my home's patron saint. So I always got to talk about Nick Offerman's documentary, The History of the Home. And there are many other amazing documentaries on the service. And here is the best part. We have partnered with CuriosityStream. So when you go and sign up for CuriosityStream at curiositystream.com slash pod. I know it's kind of a long URL, curiositystream.com slash pod. You get CuriosityStream for 26% off their normal yearly rate, which is a hugely great deal. It's actually the best deal on the internet you can get. And you get Nebula bundled for free. And that is not a free trial of Nebula. You get Nebula bundled for free with CuriosityStream for as long as you're a member of CuriosityStream. So once more, curiositystream.com slash pod. If you want to sign up, get access to tons of high quality documentaries and get access to tons of ad-free and bonus-filled content from yours truly and tons of other educational creators like MKBHD, Legal Eagle, Sam from Wendover Productions, and tons more. Big thanks, as always, to CuriosityStream for sponsoring this episode and being a big supporter of our show. And another huge thanks goes out to our second sponsor this week, which is Hover. You've probably heard me talk about this before, but Hover, as you might know, is the best place on the internet to get your hands on a domain name. In fact, I just went on Hover the other day and bought myself a brand new domain, creatorscompanion.com. Since Creators Companion is the Notion template that I'm launching, I wanted to have that domain name, and it was super easy to go over to Hover and register it in about 30 seconds. That is because unlike a lot of other domain registrars out there, Hover makes the process incredibly pain-free and frictionless. They don't have a whole lot of upsells, a bunch of pop-ups. You just go in, you type in the domain you want, and you can buy it almost instantly. And regardless of what domain you want, they probably are going to be able to give you some version of it because they have over 400 different domain extensions. You've got your .coms, you've got your .mes, but you also have .limo and .ninja and .lol. I have thomas.lol. I bought that on Hover because I wanted it and now I own it. It's a pretty sweet domain. So if you're trying to build a professional web presence for yourself, like a personal website with a portfolio you can show to employers or put on social media profiles, or if like me, you're launching a product and you need a great domain for it, Hover is where you should go. And if you want to get 10% off your first purchase and support this podcast, go over to hover.com slash inforium. That is H-O-V-E-R.com slash inforium because I weirdly spell URLs and then say the rest of them without spelling the rest of it. But I don't want to waste your time. So thanks as always to Hover for sponsoring this episode, being a big supporter of our show. And let's get back into the actual show. Um can you hear can you hear a lawnmower in my mic? Hopefully not. not okay. Really. I can hear it but I have a dynamic mic. I think the people who I mean I always have sirens going past the That's know, true. You've got you sirens I've Life's got a hard. guy with, oh, I think it's a leaf blower just walked by my window. Um, but yeah, like that, it's, that's something that I do sometimes, but I think you appreciate that more than I do. Just like that time to think. Though I have noticed, you know, getting into this project of trying to launch my own product. Now, there have been a couple of times where I'm riding the bike and I'm like, my thoughts are going way too fast for me to even care about an audiobook right now. So I did just ride in silence. Or I'll put music on because I can think to music easily fine. Easily fine. That's a phrase. Yeah. Well, and and obviously, like, I have OCD. There are reasons I might constantly be trapped in my thoughts and unable to focus on other media. Yeah. So, like, that's not too surprising for mm-hmm. me. I do, but I, I like, like, this morning, because I've been waking up at five, I have been listening to maybe 10 minutes of the audiobook when I get back from my morning mm-hmm. walk at, like, 5.30, and I'm, like, I... I kind of want to sit there and just chill 
for 10 minutes and I don't actually have the energy to focus and read the book myself. So in that point, I do like yeah. it. But I sit down and intentionally listen to the audiobook. I don't do it with something else. Do you do anything to wake yourself up when you get up this early? Yeah, I walk to the cafe. Oh, okay. That's perfect. And that is uh, so when I used to post daily photos, mm -hmm. that used to be what made me wake up. I thought I got to post this thing. I'm not doing that these days. I can't keep up the quantity with the quality that I want. So I needed something that be that could be my wake up reason, the thing that would say, no, don't go back to bed. You'll miss out. And now it's, I brush my teeth, I get dressed and I walk out at 530 to a cafe close by. Are they open at 530? So that's yeah. Nice. yeah, I mean, it's, it's not, not every cafe, but there are definitely certain ones will open up as early. I think there are some Starbucks that open as early as five sometimes. Oh, Starbucks does. But, I haven't been to a Starbucks in so I'm long. Not, I forgot. Yeah. About I'm Starbucks. not, I'm not specifically going to Starbucks, but there, there are some that open really early, mm -hmm. and so I get a walk, virtually uninterrupted. It's misty, lightly humid. Um, I might have a song. This morning I had the song I'm writing in my head, which is how I basically just finished it this morning. The whole structure's in yeah. my head now. I just got to do it. And it's such a rewarding walk now that I don't want to miss it. The rest of my morning routine is I've got ideas for it. It's not fully established because stuff gets in the way. But I will be kind of annoyed at myself if I miss the walk because it's not the same if I'm walking past a bunch of busy people in the summer heat. Yeah, that makes sense. The The cafe that's, well, I say near me, it's actually eight miles away from me because <laughs> I moved to the wrong place. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. I think they open at six. Um, but I don't get up at 530 anyway. And even if I did, you know, eight miles away, I'd be there at opening, but I do sometimes go there. If there's a day where I'm like, I have to record a video here or I have to podcast here, biking 44 miles round trip to downtown, it just isn't going to happen. So uh, a lot of those days I'll go to that cafe to get some initial writing or work done just, just to create that separation. And then it's easy to get back. Yeah. I think they open at six and they're like the one good coffee shop in quite a, a wide area. So if you don't get there early, oh, you're yeah. probably not going to get a table. Reminds me of New York yeah. city coffee shops yeah. in that way. I guess, uh, that's, that's my only secret though. It's just, I want to wake up early, which is giving me that extra time where I can mm -hmm. read. And I do have specific, that audiobook that's outside the morning routine. I do have actual time to read in the morning as well. So it's, it makes a lot more time. As soon as I realized I had been waking up at 10 o'clock, I decided if I'm going to pay five bucks for a drink every day and that gets me out of bed five hours earlier, it pays for itself a thousand times. It's a good it's idea. It's like a dollar an hour. Yeah. Well, well close. 530 is not full five hours, but, but yeah. But it's fixed. So I, I'm guessing this means you're going to bed earlier and in... I go to bed around 10. Okay. Yeah, that's about, that's about right. Uh, and in the opposite situation, I would assume that you're not carving out time in the evening to read. So by waking up earlier, you're actually carving out that evening. time. Yeah, actually, this is, this is maybe a good thing for reading more. I can't read in the evening. Mm -hmm. I can't do it. By the time I've gone through work and messed with my projects and or talked to friends, I can't get into a fictional world. 
or I, I, I can read certain nonfictions a mm-hmm. little bit, but usually I want to like hang out or work on my own projects yeah. in the evening. I can't get back into a fictional world though. Yep. That has to be kind of before I've done too much to put me into what the real world has. Yeah. And that's, I guess, so that's not one of my two tips, but that's something that I would say too. Like if I want to read, especially if I want to read, like it's a nonfiction book where, you know, I don't have ridiculous interest in the entire thing, but I have interest in the topic and I want to learn it. Then carving out time in the morning is always going to be more effective than trying to do it later in the evening when I'm done with work. That is a factor of both just my personality, but also like the reality of my life. Now I have a fiance, you know, we spend time together every night. I don't typically have time to read in the evenings by myself unless I'm going to be like actively not hanging out with her. Uh, But she naturally sleeps later than me. So if I get up early, then I can just read and I can do my stuff and then I can go to work. And when work is done, I just have the evening to relax. Yeah. Yeah. And if you get busy during work or something, at least in my experience, when I start getting overwhelmed and stressed by all the tasks, reading is going to be cut. Yep. It's going to be cut every time. The only way that I can actually get myself to prioritize it is if I haven't yet really entered anything important for the day that might say, no, Martin, you don't have time. I have plenty of time. I just woke up at five. Yeah. Like, otherwise it will get cut every day as I naturally put too much on my task list, you know, and mm-hmm. feel rushed, even if it's not true. Yeah. And I guess let's, let's lay the groundwork for enabling this and apologies to anybody who watched the video on my YouTube channel today, because this is basically what we're covering in that YouTube video. You mentioned the first part, which was having a reason to get up for you going to the cafe. If you have a reason, something like you're looking forward to, to get up in the morning, and if it's tied to waking up early, then you're, it's just much easier to get out of bed. And so for me, it's, it's that bike ride. I'm like, cool. I want, I really want to be downtown before like nine 30 or 10. And if it's an hour long ride and I've got to get ready and I've got to take the bike to the bike garage and all that kind of stuff, like I have to leave pretty early. So that's like a thing I look forward to that gets me out of bed for you. It's the cafe that gets you out of bed. Otherwise, you know, the snooze button is a big temptation. Oh yeah. Yeah. Cause otherwise you just stay back. Also, I have one alarm now. I got rid of the safety one. Oh, did you? They were giving me permission to ignore the first one. You know, I took away the safe, I took away the, so you know how you have like an alarm and then 10 minutes later, here's another alarm and then 10 minutes later, I killed, I killed those Yeah, because now I know that if I just ignore the first one, there isn't another one that's going to get me in 15 minutes. (laughs) I I increased the pressure. The only way I ever do a second alarm is on a different device in a different room. Because, and this is, I think this is more powerful when you live with other people in the same house. I know if I set the second alarm for two or three minutes after the first one, then the first one goes off and my brain's like, I want to go back to sleep. And then I know the other alarm is going to go off and Anna's going to hear it blaring throughout the entire house. And it's going to be my fault because I'm the one who set it up. So, okay, I better get up and go downstairs and turn it off. And by the time I turn it off, I've already got up. I've been moving a bit. Now I'm kind of awake. And then the the other three things, like these three little things wake me up almost instantly. Sunlight, water, and movement. And I'm not talking about anything crazy here. Like you don't have to go for a run, but getting out of bed, walking downstairs, drinking a glass of water near the window. 
boom. As long as I'm getting enough sleep, because it's not like a hack to, you know, sleep two hours and then you could just wake yourself up at those things. But, uh, you know, as long as you're getting enough sleep yeah. and you're just waking yourself up at a maybe unnaturally early time, because some of us just tend to want, you know, our bodies want to wake up later, but because of what we want to do, we want to wake up earlier. Getting those three things immediately for me gets me past that groggy stage. Um, I was trying to look up like scientific reasons for this, for the video. Sunlight has a very obvious scientific reason. Sunlight hits your eyes, basically tells your brain and circadian rhythm, hey, it's time to wake up. You literally have photoreceptors that are in your eyes for this purpose. Uh, I couldn't find a whole lot of like scientific evidence for why water and movement wake you up. But I know from many years of experience that they absolutely do. So wake up, get out of bed, go downstairs, get a glass of water, be near the window. Unfortunately, in the winter, you have less of the sunlight, which may be the most important one. True. But uh, th so I was doing some research for the video on this, and I'm not sure how conclusive it is. I'm, I'm worried about the evidence I've seen because it is tied to a company that has a financial stake in this. But um, there's this company called, I think it's BIOS, and it's an ex-NASA guy who is making these light bulbs that apparently cover the part of the color spectrum that actually triggers your circadian rhythm to tell you to wake up and most indoor lighting apparently does not cover this part of the spectrum uh and naturally sunlight does so there may be something to having a certain type of light bulb maybe in the winter months where you're trying to get up and it's still dark i'm not sure i don't know how much i want to test this because they do sell light bulbs that apparently do this then they're they're not super expensive um but they can't be changed so they would just always be like that and i don't know if that would be great for night they also sell this table yeah, lamp that apparently cycles through the different types of circadian effective lighting throughout the day so in the morning it has that wake up color spectrum in the evening it kind of gets rid of it but it's 500 dollars. no it's 600 dollars. and i don't want to spend that much money on a table lamp <laughs> so it's like a ps5 well ps5s are impossible to buy anyway so I don't know if that's a good comparison. That they are, they are impossible. <laughs> I, you know, they, they were on Amazon. I was three minutes past when it happened. Mm. I even hit the purchase button. Page was broken. It was already yep. done. It was done. You know, you just you're seconds. never gonna beat these people who. But I refuse to pay a scalper. They're not adding enough value. No, that's no. that's dumb. They're they're charging like double the price. I'm not gonna pay a scalper as much as I want to pay Sony. Is Ridiculous. there even a game that you like really want to play? Miles Morales, maybe. Uh, no, my motivation is primarily that it's way faster than the PS4. Oh, for load times? And I haven't hooked up the PS4 yet. So if I could conveniently get one, it would be nice. There are a couple of games I do want to play, but it's just a thousand times faster for all the other games that I want. Um, to play. Is it is it backwards compatible with the PS4? Or are you just talking about re-releases? Yeah. Oh, it is. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. I'm not trying super hard now because, yeah, I don't, you know, I don't play a ton of games, but it's much faster and also um chicory is coming out soon and i got the ps5 version assuming i would have gotcha. one by this point but yeah it's impossible to get i i basically so, just play games on the switch that's it i did uh i generally just play the switch games wait i didn't play a video game for like two months i want to play chicory when it comes out i'll just buy it on ps4 if i have to and have two there copies. You go. i didn't play games for two months i don't know why i just was doing other things and then um we were at GameStop for some reason. I think Anna wanted to pick something up. And then I saw Ori 
and the will of the wisps on the shelf and i'm like i'm gonna buy that and started playing it and then beat it in a day <laughs> yeah you've really been getting through a lot of media at, at speeds that is uncommon for you yeah i think it was well, I mean, I guess I'll just move into the second point here. It was, you know, picking something that I had an interest in and then allowing myself to be drawn in. And if not, just not doing it. So with, with Ori and the Will of the Wisps, like I just started playing it casually. And I was like, oh, I'm just going to play this for like 15 minutes because people are doing stuff in the kitchen. Like I'm just going to start playing it. And then that, that game is built for me. Metroidvanias that are like entirely focused on movement and platforming. Like that's, that's, they know how to get me. I ended up playing the whole thing like within a period of 48 hours. Um, <laughs> I guess it was kind of a short game now that I think about it. Cause hollow Knight's like 60 hours game, but uh, it did the whole thing. And then uh, with books, I got this book called the, uh, the three body problem. I've been seeing it be recommended on science fiction blogs and stuff like that. And, had always passed it up in the bookstore and I'm just like, oh, you know, what? I'm just going to grab it. I'm going to read it. And it was the same thing. Like within four days, I was done with it, maybe even three days. And it's like, it's like a 400, 450 page book. So it's really just allowing your interest to guide you. And if you don't have an interest in something like this, this, this isn't a rule that should always be applied. But if, if a book isn't holding your interest, you have to ask yourself, like, what is the trade-off to me finishing this? Sometimes it's worth it because you're trying to push through and learn something challenging. But in many, in many cases, like at least in my own life, I'm like, well, I should read this whole book because, because I should complete the book. It's unfinished. But what am I really going to yeah, get out of it, it on Goodreads if I didn't finish it? Yeah. And actually I have a skimmed shelf for that exact do you? reason. Yeah. Well, and especially with a lot of nonfiction books, like, I think we have this reverence for the format that is the book. Maybe because it's so old, maybe because it comes from these authoritative publishing sources. Maybe it's because like best-selling author is this, is this label that seems to carry more clout than, you know, Ted speaker or blog writer or journalist. Viral blogger. Yeah. Viral, viral blogger. But it doesn't sound authoritative. You know, like pick, to pick on the book, uh, A Power of Habit, The Power of Habit for a second. It's a 250-page book. Great book. But the actual value to be had in terms of life-changing value for most people could be put into a lengthy article. You know, like, like you could write a 5,000-word article yeah. that covers the entire habit loop. It covers the, the um, cravings. It covers some of the case studies that drive the points home. And I think, you know, 90% of the value that you could use to actually go forward and live your life could be had in that format for someone like me, who's a content creator. Yeah. I want to sink in and, you know, get all the stories. Cause you know, I can talk about them. I can turn them into things, but like what did reading every one of those case studies actually add to my life? I'm not sure. So, it doesn't necessarily mean like, you know, books are bad. Yeah. Don't finish books. But it does mean that if, if you're not like totally into a book, then there, there should be a question. What am I getting out of continually pushing forward into this? Is it worth it or is it not worth it? And I feel yeah. like this is, I don't know. I feel like this is a mindset that could be applied too widely and maybe, you know, it could be used to quit during the dip in many cases, but it's worth at least talking about because not every book is worth finishing. 
Well, I, I think that's a very maybe if it's maybe condensed a little bit so that it's not hitting everything. It's just give yourself permission to skim nonfiction. Yeah, that could be just it. If you're not, because you know what? It's generally productivity books and stuff like that where I find myself the first maybe fourth of the book. I'm like, man, this is really interesting. That's a good, that's an, that's a cool thought they got there. And then they spend the next three quarters of it, like belaboring their point and the, using the same example over and over. Mm -hmm. And it's just like, I know that the publisher gave you a number of pages you needed to hit. Yeah. But yeah, the lessons are useful. It is worth picking up the book, but once you've gotten the lesson, you know, you know, those extra stories and stuff they throw in there, if they don't speak to you, then they're not adding anything. There was something that I noticed when we were reading Thinking in Bets, like good book, good information, but I did notice quite a few times where I'd read a sentence and then the next sentence was basically a restating of the same point. I had that, I was, you know what, that was the biggest example of that in recent history. And since the poke, the poker thing doesn't speak to me very much, I found, I was just like, yeah, I get it. Okay. Poker people are geniuses. Okay. I mm -hmm. get it. Uh, okay. Next chapter. Okay. Yeah, I get it. I get it. Poker people are inherently magic geniuses. Not, you know, <laughs> the example you just gave isn't somebody who has a gambling addiction. They're a genius mm -hmm. moving on. I, and it was like, there was good information. Yeah. It's just the stories don't speak to me and there isn't like a box that says, here's the story, skip yep. this. One thing I've noticed in this uh, Iwata Says book, I don't have the physical one, so I don't know how long this book is, but it seems very short. Like I spent 15 minutes reading it and I'm already 10% through it. I'm, I'm wondering if he actually wrote that stuff down or if he was interviewed and it was written for him, but it does seem more I'm concise. thinking it's... I, I'm under the impression a lot of it comes from interviews and um, presentations and mm -hmm. things. But yeah, either way, it just, he doesn't seem to belabor points quite as much as a lot of nonfiction authors do. And I'm wondering if it's because what he was saying wasn't intended for a book form. He was just saying it and then it got turned into a book form because this came out uh, posthumously, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and if you're speaking, you wouldn't necessarily belabor your mm -hmm. point in a presentation for too long because you've got to get through the presentation. You don't just say the same thing over and over. Yeah, I mean, how many times have you heard someone say, you know, this book is good, but just go go watch the TED Talk? Well, TED Talks are like yeah, 17 uh, minutes long. They're crafted to be captivating the entire time. They don't mince words. And in many cases, you're like, oh, I got the same exact information, at least in terms of the core message from the TED, the TED Talk. So maybe, maybe the, uh, the the true thing is instead of how to read more, it's how to decide what to read and what to yeah, go consume and then elsewhere. Like, because, you, you know, we've had questions in the past where people think, what's the point of even reading fiction? Mm -hmm. Well, what's the what's the point that doesn't benefit? I wanted to get to fiction, too. Because fiction, at least good fiction, is an area where you don't see a whole lot of belaboring the point. Not in ways that you're not intended to enjoy, I suppose. I would say Tolkien has belabored a few <laughs> points, but like that's part of why you read that book. I don't think Tolkien is belaboring the point to pad out a book. I think he's belaboring a point because he no, wants to make this just... incredibly detailed universe and basically yeah. live in it in his head. But yeah, that's just like up to whether you like that style. <laughs> I remember reading the f or trying to read the first Lord of the Rings when I was in high school. And I'm like, why is he spending like 10 pages talking about Hobbit pipe tobacco? 
It's a very important point. <laughs> I guess so. But yeah, like, like, you know, I was reading three body problem and it's detailed. And part of why I like the book is because it goes into these really interesting concepts, you know, fictional concepts, but around physics and fundamental universal forces and things like that. So it's, it can get detailed, but it's not like saying one sentence and then saying the next sentence in, in a different form, but basically just restating the point is moving you through the plot. And I don't know, like maybe another critic would say, Hey, you know, this book does exactly what you're saying it doesn't do. But at least from my own experience, reading that book, I couldn't put it down. Whereas with most nonfiction, at least in terms of like nonfiction relating to personal development and productivity, there's never been a moment where I'm like, I can't put this down. It's more like, all right, let me keep reading. Cause I feel like I'm, you know, getting useful information, but it's, it's a pushing process instead of a process of being pulled. Yeah. Whereas with, with a lot of fiction, you know, once you get past that initial first few pages and it hooks you, now you're just, you're just being pulled through the story. It, it's interesting that you yeah. said earlier, like, I don't like being piloted. And I do agree yeah. with it because like, I still am reading at my own pace and I'm the one turning the pages, but once a book has its hooks in me, I do almost feel like I'm being pulled through it like a movie pulls me. It's it's like, uh, it hits a point where I don't want to put it down. That usually happens to me in the last 20% of a fiction mm -hmm. book. I will read in one go because at that point, I'm now, like, I, I can't put it down. I'm at the climax, stuff is happening, I can't stop. Yeah. And it's like, I don't want to be piloted in the sense that I don't have to pay attention and it'll still go by itself. Mm. But I appreciate the guidance being pulled through. It is useful. My problem with this is, uh, I, I want to know what happens so bad that I just start speed reading <laughs> and I don't feel like I'm losing too much, but I'm just racing through it. Cause I'm like, I need to know what happens. And I don't know. Like, I wish I had that ability when I'm reading nonfiction. I just don't, it's, it's very slow and methodical. And my other problem with nonfiction is every other sentence seems to give me an idea that I need to go write down. And then I end up writing half an article that I never use for anything. So it's just like, yeah. it's almost like two different, complete different forms of media. I never have this compulsion with fiction. I just read it. And maybe it's because in many cases with fiction, I'm reading for myself and there's almost no inkling that, oh, hey, I'm going to use this for something. It's more, I'm just interested in this and I want to live in this world right now. And that's what I'm doing. Even though from, you know, a more removed dispassionate vantage point, I realize, and we've talked about this, that reading fiction does benefit you. You know, you get to experience the world from a different perspective, especially if the writer is very different from you. You're practicing the art of reading. You're getting better at comprehension and getting better at reading speed because you're doing it. There's all these benefits that fiction brings. In many cases, fiction even teaches you stuff. You can go real and read a Neil Stevenson book and you're going to learn a few things about the real world. But when I'm reading it, I'm not like, ha I'm going to become able to write a better YouTube video or something because I'm reading this science fiction book. I'm just reading it. It's just yeah, the experience. Yeah, you're not like, my philosophy on life is about to be shifted. Let's go. Yeah. Just Stuff just happens. Which is funny because like sometimes a fiction book really does shift your philosophy on life. Uh, you mentioned yeah, The Sirens I of Titan. Yeah, a ton of value in that. As like a life-changing yeah, book. Yeah, yeah. So. Now, 
Earlier you said um, you've been allowing yourself to be pulled through stuff. Mm-hmm. What's the alternative to that? Were you ever pushing yourself through fiction on purpose or something or, or making yourself stop like saying, I'm, I'm too busy. I will read five minutes and not a minute more. Yeah. I, I've carved out half an hour of reading time. Okay. I need to be done. You know, okay. and, and, and okay. a lot, you know, I guess it's not super relatable in many cases because a lot of people, if they wake up in the morning, like you do, and, and then you have an actual job to get to, you have to, but you know, say it's a weekend, I wake up and I'm like, Oh, I have 50 things I want to do today. I'm gonna read for half an hour. I realize, you know, 10 minutes into reading, I, I want to keep going and I have the option to, so I'm just going to keep going. Okay. So now you're just, you're just embracing that instead of saying, well, I still have those other yeah, things. Yeah. Maybe it's embracing the fact that, okay, I'm, I'm basically going to do one thing today, which is kind of beautiful in yeah. a way. Cause I don't know about you, but my daily experience is waking up and feeling like I have 500 things to do. And it's just this very fragmented way to go through life. I, yeah, I get that with, um, work stuff a lot with house chores. I used to get it with, with media too. I've just slowed down a lot. I, I want to live in the moment where it's, you know, when you're a kid, right? Like when I was little, it is, you know, I'm just going to sound really old, but when I was playing Game Boy Color, you oh, know, I remember it. Pokemon Silver yep. came out and, uh, that was entire like weeks. Yep. The ability to singularly focus on something was very with me. Then. Yeah. I didn't care that I was not doing other things as an alternative. I was like, my life is about what I'm experiencing right now and what I'm enjoying. And that is this Pokemon game. And I'm not going to feel guilty that there are 10 other games I could be playing. Mm-hmm. I don't care about that. And and now, yeah, you wake up and it's like, oh, well, I'm already late, to be fair. Here are 10 things I wish I had done last week. Yeah. Yeah, I remember the the day that I got my first Pokemon game, which I believe I got Pokemon red. Yeah, because my friend got blue, so I got red. Uh, the next morning when I woke up, that I mean, that was the only thing I was going to do that day. Nothing else on my mind. And that happened a lot when I was a kid. And now, you know, I wake up today. I'm like, okay, well, I got a podcast with Martin. I got to lift weights later on. I uh, probably need to go re- review the A-roll cut that Tony's going to have later on. And then I want to carve out some time to work on the sales page. It's already four things. Like, what the heck? Yep. So, you know, perhaps it would be useful to state this as a value in my life. I value being able to wake up and have a singular purpose for the day. Um, it is possibly an idealistic desire. Living as an adult, we live in the real world. There's always going to be a multitude of different things that we have to do, obligations and people. But yeah. to some degree, we have agency over what we let into our life. And in many cases, there it's it's like that any benefit problem or any benefit approach that Cal Newport talks about in deep work, where it's like, I'm going to add another social network because it has this one benefit. Don't even consider what it is taking away from me. You know, Snapchat's going to get me followers over there and I'll be able to get 0.1% coming back to my sales page from that. And considering the fact that I value a singular purpose on some on some days should influence my decision on whether or not to take on other obligations in the future. Yeah. Perhaps. Yeah, I'd love to get to more of a singular focused mm-hmm. life like that. That's that'd be great. Perhaps that's the ultimate hack for how to read more. 
but also be happier (laughs) is state to yourself. I like singular purpose days. How do I get more of them? Yeah. How do you get more of them? That's the tough part. And hey, maybe I always have problems with like habits breaking that. Maybe that's the next episode. How to get more singular purpose days. Let's pick that up. That would be something I'd love to think about. Yeah. Let's pick that up uh, next week. I can do it. Or next. Actually, it is next week because we're, we're a week off of schedule because of your sickness. This is true. That's a good idea. I'd love to think about that and figure out how to mm-hmm. make it happen. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I've got two approaches in my head already. So, Well, I've got 10 get approaches. 10 approaches? I'm going to do all of them today. I think there's only two. So, it's either uh, don't take certain lose. things on or get rid of things you already have. But You haven't considered the multiverse. That thing. is true. If you do, you don't even go through the hassle of cloning yourself. Whole versions of yourself from other universes into yours and then be the boss of them of course because you're the yeah you're like the main universe version uh and then be like all right you do all my other obligations and i will just read this book problem, well, solved. problem solved don't have to worry about the but yeah that's a, that's a good episode idea we should do that yeah all right well let's do that next week and i guess that's gonna wrap up the main topic for this week did we have any cult member questions this week um i don't know i didn't have any you said you might have some somewhere uh let's see here hmm all right Uh, there's one we have one that i'm gonna actually gonna actually go with here because this one will be uh fairly i think fairly short how do you stay friends with people in other time zones Uh, I, I do that fairly consistently. Well, now I have fewer people in other time zones. The balance just is shifted, me. but you know, what? And, uh, Ryan over in Oh, Seattle. that's true. Yep. Uh, the answer is and, discord. Uh, somebody over in Germany. Wait, who's in Germany? Oh, this friend I met. Online. Okay. I was wondering if, uh, our friend Zach was still in Germany. No, 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 no. Okay. Yeah. Anna and I were talking about him the other day. Um, and I was like, is he still in Germany? I don't think so. Cause he seems nah, to be now. on discord with our friends quite often. And he, it would be like 4am in Germany when they're on. Yeah. No, discord has definitely helped a mm-hmm. lot. It's, it's just convenient and it has to be convenient. Otherwise you get slightly busy and you won't do it. Yeah. The, the beauty of discord is it's like when you're in college and you live in the dorms and everyone leaves their door open and then friends just pop in because the voice chat yeah. room, like you don't got to be like, all right guys, we're going to get on Skype at this time is just, you log into discord and you see, Oh, Hey, my friends are in there. Let me pop in, have a chat, hang out, play games together, whatever it is. Yeah. That's a good way to do it. I don't know. You could do chess by mail, but you could you could do See, that. like ever since the the pandemic started and everyone went inside discord has been like the thing it's just it's amazing it's made it very convenient mm-hmm. and i guess before discord all i had was the ability to text people and not everybody is that responsive to texts not everybody is going to some people are busy it's a different sort of thing it's less I'm going to go into discord and have a conversation and then end of that conversation. Yeah. I mean, I, it's a, it's a different, feeling. I will always praise the merits of just calling up your friends to talk one-on-one. 
I've got several friends who do that. I always assume everybody's busy. What's that? I always assume everybody's busy. Well, maybe you should assume. uh, It's like when people's schedules confuse me. Like, I'll call my mom just out of nowhere because I know her schedule and I'll know that I can get a hold Mm -hmm. of her. But I don't really call my dad because his work schedule changes. So I just don't know. The way I think of it is, well, I, I can... I can take a stab at people's schedules. And after that, if I call and they don't answer, cool. Well, they call me back, but I tried. I don't see it as like, well, if they don't answer, it's a failure or something bad happened. I'm just like, whatever, but I'm going to try to call. You know, that's probably fair. I mean, I guess the worst that happens is that they see that you called them while they were busy and now they hate you <laughs> and uh, they don't want to be your friend anymore. And they block I don't know if I want to be TikTok. friends with people who would jump to that immediate conclusion. Oh, they didn't perfectly well, predict that's good. when I'd be that's free. That's good because they're not your friend <laughs> anymore. So problem solved. She said they're gonna block me on TikTok. Yeah, they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna block you on TikTok because they you call and they were busy one time. I just got tick blocked. Yeah. <laughs> Watch out. So yeah, I don't know. There's a combination yeah, there. Probably fine. If you're in different time zones, you're separated by lots of distance, which means you have to use various telecom technologies to stay in touch unless you want to use snail mail, I guess, or psychic connections for those of you who exist on a metaphysical plane. In which case, while you're listening to this podcast, there's probably like interesting ones from other dimensions you could listen to. Uh, so, you know, between those two, I think, Calling up friends randomly is great because you're making the effort to do it and you're talking one-on-one with somebody, but also things like Discord are great because it's so easy for friends to just like have like a watering hole, basically. They pop in, it's casual, you don't got to plan it. And one thing I've realized that, you know, as I've grown up is planning things gets really hard because every time you try to plan something and you're like, hey, y'all want to do this on Saturday at three o'clock? Like most of them like, oh, I'm already busy. I got to get a manicure for my dog or something like that. But if it's just like, all right, I'm going to be in here at 8 p.m. Show up if you want to. Some people show up. And because it's not like a specifically planned thing, people don't even feel left out. Yeah, and it's not even stressful. Mm-hmm. Like, even if I'm, even if I have a bunch of friend plans that I want to do, if there are too many of them in the week, I start to feel overwhelmed. Like, there's no flexibility yeah. anymore. I'm booked. It's way different. If even if I ironically go hang out with them anyway, every day, that feels way better than knowing every day has already been scheduled. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So hopefully that covers your question, fellow cult member. And uh, hopefully those freshly pressed robes with their spiffy looking hood make their way to you in the mail. Yeah, a lavender scent. Lavender scent. Should be there. The U.S. Postal Service keeps seizing our hooded robes in the mail. Not because they're contraband, because they're just so comfortable. They just love them that much. So, sorry if it doesn't make it to you. You know, we've had a lot of problems with postal workers just appropriating the robes for themselves. So, it it may be to the point where no no cult members actually have gotten their robes. But it's out of our hands. Very possibly. Totally out of our hands. I've only just been made aware of this problem, but I don't know what I can do about it. We're facing the machinery of the U.S. government. (laughs) I'm not going to try very hard. That's fair. All right. Well, that is about going to do it for this episode of the Inforium. Thanks for listening all the way here. Hopefully you found this helpful or thought-provoking in some way. If you have additional questions about this topic or anything else, become a cult member. All you got to do 
is leave your question in the YouTube version of this podcast or tweet it over to us, Tom Frankly on Twitter or Yo Martholomew. Either way, I look at Twitter more than Martin, which is probably a problem for me, but it also means I probably see questions more often. I don't know. That's Maybe we should make some sort of like hashtag. I could make a, ooh, the Notion API is out now, so I can make a hashtag, and if you tweet a question to the hashtag, it could automatically go to a question database in our Notion, and then we could see it when we plan podcasts. How cool would that be? Am I surprised that you've magically tied it into Notion immediately? Uh, you shouldn't no, be surprised, surprised about that. This is all I think about. So that, you know, that's fair. <laughs> I have an entire that's, YouTube you know, channel. Not the worst idea I've ever heard in my life. It's not a bad idea. Plus, I learned that, like, so Twitter opened up their verification form again, where you can submit yourself for verification. I don't even know what that. Oh wait, to for get like the blue check mark? mark, and for people to call oh. you a filthy capitalist with the blue check mark. Uh, and if you say that you're an influencer, you have to provide proof of a hashtag campaign that you started. So, I guess we should start Forium okay. Cult hashtag <laughs> to get questions. I definitely, yeah, I, I don't know if I want to have cult trending. Are you sure? Are you sure you don't want to have cult? Trending? The AIs are they're gonna like. Put us together with actual cult information. No, it's going to be like you're you're interested in cults. The only hashtag, you the go. only hashtag I can think of that has the word cult in it is Rome cult, which is like Rome research. It it's know. productivity oh, yeah, software. That's that brain thing. Yeah. So we could. I think the only reason I don't like Inforium cult is because of too many syllables. It is. We a could lot probably of just do hashtag Inforium, and I doubt many people are using that. That is probably so, true. I don't know. I'll dink around with an API connection thing and we'll talk about it next week. Yeah. So that's about going to do it for this podcast episode. If you haven't subscribed yet, go over to theinforium.com where you can subscribe on Spotify, YouTube, uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or via the RSS feed. I do believe you added that to the homepage recently, I think. I did add a link to cool. that, yeah. Uh, so you can paste that in to any podcast player of your choice. But uh, most of them allow you to just search for the Inforium. I know mine, Pocket Casts, does, works just fine. Uh, if you're using Apple Podcasts, there is a rating and review feature. If you want to leave us a five-star rating and review, then uh, that's a great way to support us. If you want to leave us a one-star rating and review, that's a great way to negative support us. Either way, choice is yours. Ball's in your court. That's going to be the end of this episode. Uh, oh, show notes. Probably should talk about show notes. Theinforium.com slash, what's the number here? Do we know? I want to say slash 21 jump street. No, not jump street. Just 21. So check those out. If you want to see show notes, we probably talked about things that are show notey. Um, so yeah, head over there. Otherwise we'll see you in the next episode. Thank you.